Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's a Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBCSN, Series XM211, Sky Sports. There's Drew Brees and Emmanuel Sanders, a little pitch and catch. More responsible than what we saw in Tampa. This is akin to what we saw from Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. If you're going to do it, this is the way to do it. Long distances in between player and receiver. Now, still, it's another quarterback. It's another receiver. It's another team defying the NFLPA recommendation to do none of these things until it's time to go to training camp. But if some teams are going to do it, then all teams need to do it because if you're sitting home constantly repeating to yourself the recommendations of Dr. Tom Mayer, reminding yourself that's why you're not out working out with teammates and other teams are doing it, you're at a disadvantage. That gets back to our point from yesterday, why it's, it's just not a good idea to flaunt it if you're doing it but they're doing it, they're flaunting it, not like Brady did. And I think it's going to continue, Chris, during the three weeks that we'll be off and after we return in that week or two before training camps open on July 28, we're going to continue to see videos and stories about guys doing what the NFLPA has asked them not to do. Well, yes. I mean, the NFLPA told them not to do that. But, you know, kind of like I said yesterday, I think Drew Brees and Tom Brady, first off, you know, these are OCD, type A, perfectionists. We know they're going to work out and throw footballs and do all those things. But you're also seeing that, you know, hey, their brand is every bit as important to them here, too. They're going to put it out on their social media and show that they're doing the work. And, yeah, kind of a big FU to the NFLPA. But, you know, Mike, to your point, I mean – yeah, if you're a quarterback and you're sitting at home right now and you're going, oh, the NFLPA told us not to get together and do any workouts and things like that. It, well, all I can tell you is it's nice you're listening to them, but the other quarterbacks and especially the top quarterbacks in football will not be at home doing that. So you're going to start losing the competitive advantage. And I have a hard time thinking that there won't be more true gatherings, you know, like we've seen uh, with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Kyler Murray, like you said, it seems like they still kind of had their workout last weekend, but went off the radar and didn't show anybody, which is smart. 
I, I would hope that would be the thing going forward. But, you know, you are seeing these quarterbacks, they want to prove to everybody they're doing their work too, Mike. And I don't know why they feel like they need to do that other than their brand and get followers and likes and all that kind of crap, which is stupid to me. Yeah, like I said yesterday with Tom Brady, the smart play is go do your work and not let other quarterbacks know. Let them think that everyone is sitting at home not working out with teammates, and then that's how you gain your advantage and preserve your advantage because if everybody else is doing exactly what you're doing, you're not getting that same edge that you otherwise would get. It's that simple, but it's vanity, it's ego, it's selling your TB12 brand, your lifestyle, everything that goes along with having the exposure, the notoriety, and it overcomes, I think, common sense, and it overcomes proper behavior in a pandemic. And look, before we veer too far in the direction of things that will upset people, just the mere fact that we even have to stop and say, oh, we may veer in the direction of things that may upset people, the, the idea that there are uh, – just look around. That's all I'm going to say. Pay attention to some of the things that are out there, like videos from bizarre city council meetings in Florida, the beliefs that people actually have, the fights we're having, the the warped viewpoint of what it means to wear a mask. I mean, I'm going to stop right there. But just the fact that it's controversial. Why is it controversial? Why, why is practicing smart hygiene and care and safety in a pandemic, why is that even controversial, Chris? Anyway, anyway, this kind of stuff only takes this Twilight Zone existence that we currently have and makes it more Twilight Zone-y. Yeah, I mean, I understand you, you know, I, I mean, you're right. Well, Listen, the country's confused. There's a lot of mixed messages, as we know. I'm not trying to be a jerk here or get at anything like, you know, super but critical either. Fact, but just, just there's the a confused that message. The, the fact know. that we're tiptoeing illustrates how screwed up it is right now, doesn't it? There's a confused message, especially when it comes to the pandemic and the virus coming right from the top. We know that. I mean, yes, uh, there's no other way to say that. And that's why you're seeing some of the states that listen to every word our president says they're starting to see rise in COVID-19 cases. So, yeah, I mean, I understand the confusion from the society because our government, I'm sorry, has led us all to be confused. I mean, there's no other way I see that. So I don't care. I'm not tiptoeing in there. I'm jumping all in, splash. Um, so, you know, and, we'll, we'll see. But, I, you know, again, well, I think we're seeing – go ahead. What do you want to say? Go ahead. Well, well here, here's an example. And, and maybe we shouldn't tiptoe. Maybe more people need to be the grown-ups in the room. If people are going to scurry around spewing all sorts of nonsense and behaving in a way that is completely contrary to how we should be behaving in this moment, because, folks, again, look around. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Yesterday, the highest number of positive cases yet in our country, period. And if you want something tangible, and of course, this becomes a chicken and the egg thing because some are going to say, oh, they're acting out of fear, and others are going to say, well, they're acting out of common sense. Hall of Fame game, canceled. Hall of Fame yeah. game, canceled, according to Shefty. The Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony, postponed indefinitely. Why? Why? Because of the pandemic. Because of what's happening, because people yeah. are applying common sense, because people are being smart, because people are realizing, yes, there's a problem here. And 
And uh, again, this is it, it, it. There will still be people who look at this and sneer and say it's fear porn. Are you kidding well, me, Chris? Yeah, they can. You know, they can say what they want, but you know, until you get some of these fears, okay, taken care of, which is a consistent good message from the leaders of our country to steer us all in the same direction. There's going to be no football. There's going to be no sports. The economy is going to stink. And that's going to be because of the lack of direction that is leading us to the right, you know, pathway in our country. That's they're simple. You know, we talked yesterday about England and the Premier League and why they're go, doing so well. You know, and I should have came into that more informed as far as exactly why they're doing so well. Well, when the show got over, what did I do? I started looking up stuff and reading stuff. And, oh, wait, that's right. Well, they've been very strict and been very good with their pandemic rules and how they've handled it and their cases and their their testing per person is way up. The cases they have in their countries are way down. And like you said, we're going the exact opposite direction again. We're st- we're we're back in the middle of March here in America, which is not an encouraging thing. And, you know, it's going to hurt the the prospects of the NFL being played this year, which I also think is very I- ironic because. You know, it, we're, we're going to be hurt by it because of the lack of leadership in our country starting at the top. And it's also ironic because we have a lot of owners and people who supported him in the NFL. And now they're going to get bite in the butt uh, because of it. Strange juxtaposition, though, when you consider some of the events that have happened this week where you see a lot of people congregating, a lot of people not wearing masks. You try to put that up against the numbers that keep coming out, and it's impossible to reconcile the two. And it's hard to reconcile, Chris, the report that there will be no Hall of Fame game this year with yesterday's report from Ian Rappaport of NFL Media, who works for the NFL. So when something like this comes from him, safe to assume that it's accurate. Training camps still set to open July 28th. Teams are still targeting July 28th to be there and okay and 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 I'm going to try to help people understand how we can reconcile those two it's one thing to have all of the teams show up for what will be their their universe for a month right the place they're going to be every day a controlled environment that's one thing it's quite another to take two teams out of their controlled environments drop them into Ohio for a couple of days at hotels there and around Ohio and all the stuff that would otherwise go on with the Hall of Fame weekend, take those two teams, drop them in, and then put them back. No, you get them in where they're going to be and you leave them there. That makes so much more sense. The whole idea of any neutral site game this year other than the Super Bowl makes no sense, right? You keep teams and players in a tightly controlled environment as long as you possibly can that especially early on while they're trying to figure out how this is all going to go the last thing you want to do is have a neutral site game to start your season so it's I think that it's not as dire as that first reaction would be that oh god here we go here we go there goes the hall of fame game what's next week's one week one of the preseason what's next all of the preseason what's next week one of the regular season I don't think it's that dire I just think that for a game that means nothing Nothing at all. Yeah, for that's a game right. that is just the, for a game that is just part of the entertainment, part of the experience for Hall of Fame weekend. You don't want to bring two teams into that environment. You want to leave those teams in their environment that's going to be carefully set up and structured, Chris, for training camp. And then, uh, yeah, obviously, 
you're going to be bringing teams into separate environments who are the, you know, the visiting teams during the season, yeah. but that's different and that's necessary. This isn't the hall of fame game is not necessary. Yeah. Get rid of all un- unnecessary things that you got to do in this, you know, training camp, whatever it may be. I mean, yeah, there, there's no point in risking any of that. Um, and you know, Mike, to, to something you were saying, you're right. I mean, I think the NFL, the NFLPA, the players, everybody involved. I do think, you know, the start of training camp will start July 28th. All those things. I, I do it. I, I, we've seen some of the game plan the NFL has as far as testing people, you know, the tiers in which are allowed in the building, how many people are allowed in the building, the facility, how close they are to be together. You know, I know the NFL is going to do everything they can to make the environment safe. I'm not worried about that necessarily. But, you know, I'm worried about, again, you know, these NFL players, it's different year. You're training camp. It's not training camp where we've seen in years past where you go to some college or you go to a hotel and you're all there and you, you don't see much outside life. And it's just football and back to your hotel and meetings and football and back to your hotel and meetings. Now there is going to be going home because, you know, from the way I understand it, at least right now, it doesn't sound like anybody is staying in the facility to sleep there or staying in a hotel. But the the thing that I worry about, Mike, is not necessarily the players. It's just like, okay, hey, here's a guy playing in the NFL. You know, his wife and kids went to the country club today or went to the local park. And, you know, they've been swimming in the pool or, you know, in a, in a place where there is a little bit more public contact. Now those players are going to go home, see their family. And here we are in day 14 of the training camp. Oh. It's running rampant through some team because of that. And that's where I just don't know where this whole thing goes. And, you know, that's where I get back to where I just would like a better gauge of where the NFL players feel about this if they were to go rampant through oh. their, their locker room. But here's the thing. The players that are old enough to have families and that have households and that have kids that are at the age where they're out doing things, right? Th- yeah. There needs to be responsibility within those households. Yeah. And they need to understand you can't go to the pool. There's certain things you can't do. Now, at some point, they're going to be going to school, presumably, and that's a different issue. But, you know, this is just part of the challenge that is going to trickle down from the organizations to the players, to their families if we want to have a football season. And I think events like pulling the plug on the Hall of Fame game will get people to take this seriously if they aren't already. A couple of other items related to this. There was a report yesterday that the NFL will be tarping off the first six to eight rows at all stadiums, which implies that the other rows will be available potentially for fans. More on that in a second. There's going to be advertising on those first six to eight rows. And look, I think it makes sense to have that buffer zone, that splash zone, right? You you don't want fans who may be infected close enough to the field where they could throw stuff onto the field, where just the droplets, if they're coughing, if they're yelling, if they're screaming, those droplets go out and they hover over the sideline. Makes sense to take those first six to eight rows out of play makes sense to turn those tarps into dollars and cents. Yep. The other thing, the other thing that, that we need to keep in mind though, and this came up yesterday, I was on the score in Chicago with Dan Bernstein and we were just kind of spitballing about what happens outside of a stadium on game day. Chris, I, I, I did some work on this last night for a change. Uh, the league is, is anticipating that if there are stadiums that are closed in areas where there isn't a stay-at-home order, 
you're going to have fans congregating in the parking lots. They're going to tailgate. They're going to hang out. They're going to watch the game on TV. They're going to have a communal experience. We can't get in the stadium. We're upset about that. We're coming out here to tailgate, and we're going to act like it's a game day. And there's going to be thousands of people potentially in these parking lots unless they shut them down and lock them up, but there's going to be a perimeter somewhere. They can only lock up so much around a stadium. At some point on the other side of the perimeter, fans are going to congregate. They're going to bring their grills. They're going to bring their beer. They're going to bring their TVs. They're going to dress like they would on game day. And they're going to be close enough where they at least know that's where it's happening. And we want to be in there. And my point is this. If you're in a community where that's going to be allowed outside of a stadium, why the hell aren't you just letting them in? If they're going to be outside anyway, if they're going to be mingling outside anyway. And again, I'm thinking of images that we've seen this week, one in Arizona, one in Oklahoma, where, hey, let them in. Hey, let them sit next to each other without masks on. Hey, what the hell? Let's do it. That's what I can't make sense of, that if that's okay and they're all going to be outside anyway, why? why, Just just let them in. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. Do let them in. Yeah, you're right. There's it seems like there's going to be certain states and counties and things like that that are going to have no restrictions. And we're certainly seeing, like you said, there's certain states where the people just don't seem to give a damn, you know. And 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 hey, listen, even up here in in the New York City area, they're still being strict, but you still watch the news at at night in New York City, and people are still getting too close to each other as well, to where it's a little uncomfortable, but. I, I mean, Mike, I'm with you. If you're going to let them be outside in the parking lot and be close together anyways, just let them come in and cheer. The big thing is, yeah, don't let them too close to the players or the coaches or anything like that because maybe they're not comfortable with that situation. And really, honestly, I thought I was going to hear more than six to eight rows blocked off. I thought you might hear the first 15 to 20 rows, really, honestly, in this type of situation. Uh, but but nonetheless, it makes a lot of sense from the NFL going to be different looking at these games this year that's for sure uh, what, what we see on tv but uh you know there's a part of me that's somewhat excited to see what it's going to look like and watch these guys play in this environment there's a part of me that's anxious as to whether or not we're going to get to see it and i hope the hell we do one other thing I i'm anxious as hell. We talked about this earlier yeah. in the week the the idea that the league firmly believes based upon what it has learned about the virus that outdoor activities are more or less likely, Let me. I was trying to find a way out of those weeds, no, are less likely, less likely to spread the virus because the droplets get into the air. If you're in a confined space, that's how the droplets hang around long enough for other people to get them in their eyes or their noses. Outdoors, the thinking is you're, you're, you're safer. You're at less risk. Like in, in the states where the spikes are happening – They think the spikes are happening because it's too hot to be outside. So people are doing things indoors in the air conditioning with poor ventilation. And that's how they're getting it. They're learning more and more about how you don't get it. Everybody was, you know, worried about service. You got to wipe everything down. You bring your stuff home from the grocery store. You got to wipe it down. You get your mail. We used to leave all of our stuff out on the porch for 24 hours to let any virus on it die, right? It's all the droplets now. That's the focal point. And the thinking is that if you're outside, you're okay. And, and and the one data point that people in the league are paying attention to, the protests. There has been no dramatic spike in the areas where there were protests several weeks right. ago. Now, right. people were wearing masks. God forbid you wear a mask. They were outside. They weren't social distancing, but they were outside. They had masks on. 
and those did not become super spreader events. Meanwhile, right. people are going to be waiting and watching to see if a certain event that happened in Tulsa on Saturday and a certain event that happened on Phoenix on Tuesday become super spreader events because it happened inside without people wearing masks. So the NFL thinks it's on the right side of this, Chris. And I'm telling you, if there aren't stay-at-home orders in place in the cities, the counties, the states where stadiums are, and you know that people are going to show up anyway, and they're going to be upset that they can't get in, and you may have more fights, you know, you f- fights out in the parking lot. You don't have security out there per se. I just think you just, just let them in. If they're going to be there anyway and they're going to be engaging in behavior that potentially spreads the virus, why not let them in? It's that simple. Yeah, Mike, I mean, I, I hear you. Everything you said makes, you know, total sense. There's no doubt about that. I, I guess the, the thing that kind of came to my brain, though, just within this, and, you know, I know you know people in the NFL and, and know things here, but the inside conversation is interesting. If that, you know, continues to be true and what we're seeing in the evidence and all that, Will that throw a wrinkle in the NFL's plans as far as the indoor teams, Mike? Will that make them change anything? Will the teams that have a dome automatically maybe just be like, no, you know, we're not even going to risk it being inside. You're not allowed to come in this stadium, whatever it may be. I mean, I know that's a huge area still. I just wonder if that will be in the thought process. Yeah, you know, and I think that that makes sense. Now, the domes, the the, the ceilings are high enough yeah, that right. it's not like being in a confined space, but right. you got to wonder about the circulation. You got to wonder about the air. And and, and also, and, and, and see, I, I don't know what's really going on behind the curtain, and the NFL hasn't been trying all that hard to let people know what's going on behind the curtain. But, like, if you're the Vikings and you play in a dome and the University of Minnesota has its – field that you used for three seasons while your dome was being built do you just play your games there this year with fans or do you play in your home stadium without fans they're probably going to stay in their home stadium without fans or with reduced fans but I think that's part of the conversation too if they're convinced that open air is better and if there's any concern that being in a domed stadium increases that risk of the of the congregation of the droplets and the infected material ultimately ending up in other people's eyes and noses. It, hey, it's I we're not that long away from July 28. And and I remember saying back when we were in early days of this, you know, we got free agency, then we got the draft, but the problem is on the other side of the draft you have May, and May becomes June, and June becomes July, and July becomes football, and it all goes much faster. Before the days and weeks start to roll by like in those those weeks before Memorial Day weekend, there's this anticipation summer's coming. Once it's once it's Memorial Day weekend, man, I mean the it's days rolling. just go by. And yeah, and and here yeah. we are. Here we are, a month since Memorial Day weekend. And I feel no greater clarity coming from the league other than, yeah, we still intend to go forward on July twenty eighth. Well, a few weeks ago you intended to go forward with the Hall of Fame game too, and how that turned out. So that I, I really do think it's incumbent on the league to get to get some clarity out there so people I, I I know they don't want to overpromise, but I, I just think, you know, we, we see these developments and we see what's going on. And I think a lot of people are like, I don't I don't know how they can be football this year. Well, uh, that, I, I mean, Mike, I, that's a, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you know, just, you know, just the friends I have around the NFL and things like that. I think it's 50 50 when I talk to them, you know, people, coaches, front office, people I'm texting and things like that, just casually, you know, this time of the year. I think it's probably split down the middle between all the, the, the acquaintances I have. Some think, 
yeah, we're going to find to get a way to, you know, get, they'll find a way to get it done. We're going to have some games for sure. You know, I don't know if it'll be a full season. And then I have other coach friends who just think there's no way we're playing football and that, you know, they're going to try and they'll do their best effort, but realistically they don't think it's going to happen. So, you know, if that doesn't tell you where we're at as a society, as a league, everything, the people involved in the league are split down the middle and don't even really know what to expect at this point. And Chris, that's an excellent point because it's one thing for the fans and the media to be in the dark, right? We don't matter, but the players and the coaches at some point, you kind of like to know what you're going to be doing. You know, I'm one of those people who I like to know what I'm going to be doing. I like to know right. what today's going to be. I like to know what tomorrow's going to be. I like to have a plan. I like to know what we're doing tonight. What are we having for dinner tonight? The earlier I know, the, the sooner I can kind of check that box in my brain that my, my day is planned. Uh, right. You know, if, if I'm a football fan, I want to know what's going on. And really, as look – from my perspective as a member of the media, yeah, I'd like to know if there's going to be a football season so I can kind of envision how September, October, November, and December may be. But I've accepted after three and a half months of it, there's no point trying to envision how anything is going to be as it relates to the pandemic. We don't control the pandemic. The pandemic controls us. And the problem is too many of us aren't recognizing that the pandemic is running the show. And the more people recognize that, the sooner we can get past this and get back to normalcy instead of just churning around in this blender of dysfunction as we have for the past three and a half months. That's all I'm going to say about that when we return. Ezekiel Elliott spoke yesterday. He had an update on his own COVID-19 situation and how he thinks the NFL should handle the upcoming season. More PFT Live right after this. Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh... I would say I had maybe one or two days where I felt symptoms, and even then it wasn't too bad. I, I had a cough and uh, a little bit of shortness of breath, but uh, now I would say I feel 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 good. I feel normal. Um, still can't work out. I gotta wait until uh, I could have went and got retested uh, this week. Um, I just decided. I mean, it won't, it won't hurt just to to wait another week and uh, just give myself more time. To, uh, rest up but uh i feel good i got corona and it did, really didn't affect me much but you know some a lot of people have have kids you know they may have kids with asthma they may have newborn babies um their parents or grandparents may live with them and uh i just um that we have to find a way just to make sure that the players and their families and even and the coaches also and their families um aren't put at risk I do hope that we have a season, um, but I mean, it just has to be, it has to be right. It has, it has to, uh, we, we got to put the health of the players and the coaches and, and the support staff first. Um, I mean, I think that's important. Ezekiel in on Twitch yesterday with his thoughts on his own experience with COVID-19. And look, it sounds like it was mild, but to the extent that a professional athlete can't work out, that tells you it's not just mild. If it knocks you out of your workout routine, unless you're looking for an excuse to get out of your workout routine, which I am very good at, but if it if it results in the doctor saying you can't work out, that tells you it's not just some minor little bug. Like if you get the cold or the flu, you're knocked out of your workout routine for a day or two, or you push through it. Something like this, if you're looking at a week or two of not exercising, it's, it's, it's not some yeah. minor thing. 
And and he's right about they need to have a plan and they need to be thinking about and the players and coaches need to be thinking about their own situations, Chris, because even though the players for the most part aren't going to be at risk of a serious outcome, older coaches, coaches with pre-existing conditions, coaches who have had cancer, coaches who may have diabetes, whatever the case may be, and the people you live with, as Zeke said. You may live with your grandparents. You may have a, a young child that has asthma. You may have people around you that if this this virus gets into their bodies, they are not going to just have a mild case of it. So these are all things that need to be taken into account. And that's why I've said all along, and I hope they can get to this point, and I hope that testing is the thing that that bridges this gap and helps football to happen. I've said you need to have basically an airlock on the front door to the facility, and everyone who shows up goes in there one at a time, gets tested, the result comes back in five minutes. If you're negative, you're allowed in. If you're positive, you get pulled into the quarantine protocol. And on the way out, right, in the event that somehow, some way, you got infected while you were in the facility for 12 days, getting ready for the next game, you get tested again because they don't, or at least they shouldn't want to set loose onto the community, whether it's the player's house or anywhere else they may go, somebody who's positive. Constant monitoring. Two tests a day, every day you show up for work. One on the way in, one on the way out. I think that's the only way to do it responsibly. And that's where the NFLPA has been on this. Whatever we do cannot put an unfair and undue impact and burden on the community. And, uh, you know, when you look at what Zeke had to say, you read between the lines and you piece it all together, it, it is going to be an undue impact on the community. Yeah. Unless you're making damn sure that you're not sending guys home who may be positive. Well, I mean, as you know, and we're around a lot of players, players are good people. I mean, 99% of the players in the NFL are caring people. They're guys that have come from not a lot. They realize they've been fortunate. They want to give back. They, you know, these are, these are, Zeke Elliott, I mean, yeah. He, I don't think he's worried about himself. You know, like you said, he's thinking about teammates, family, things like that. So that just shows you where his brain is at. So uh, you know, Mike, there, there is so many things. First off, you know, you're right. It, it, it is serious. You know, there's no doubt about that. Hey, I mean, it's serious when the doctor tells you you got bronchitis. You know, you can't work out or do anything. Or it can become pneumonia if you push through it. Well, with, with COVID-19, sorry, I don't know what happened with my phone there. With COVID-19, I mean, yeah, you try to work out with that, you might end up dead. I mean, forget pneumonia. So, yes, it is more serious. But, you know, the other thing, too, Mike, you know, will the NFL do something with maybe coaches or other front office people who have maybe the health issues that you're talking about? Right. Like maybe the NFL needs to do like, listen, if you have an offensive line coach who has asthma problems or maybe like you're saying has fought off cancer not long ago in the history of their life or whatever. Maybe we don't let those people in the building this year. Maybe, maybe, maybe we don't even risk that. Maybe that's the smart thing to do. And, you know, yes, you have to hire some assistant to be a guy that can be there in person, but maybe that coach has to coach from home in the meetings and zoom in the, in the zoom fashion or whatever it may be. And Chris, that's one of the things the NBA is dealing with. There was an issue that bubbled up within the past few days where the right. NBA is going to have a procedure where doctors are going to decide if some of these coaches just shouldn't even be allowed in the bubble in Orlando for their own good, even if they want to be there. See, that's what part of this is going to be. Like, a, You think Bill Belichick, you think anything is stopping him, right? No. He's going to be there no matter what. I don't care. Other, That's going to be his attitude. I don't care. I want to be there. No days off. 
Other coaches who have had health issues, who are older, they may say, I'm going to sit this one out altogether. And I think there needs to be flexibility in whatever the league decides. So players, coaches, anyone who otherwise would be in that environment can deliberately and conscientiously say, this is not right for me or my family. There was a basketball player, a member of the Lakers, and I'd have to look it up, but I saw this last night, who decided I'm opting out of the bubble, has a young child that has respiratory issues and so the child can't come to Orlando. I'm not going to Orlando, period. So you, you have to have the flexibility to allow guys to do that. Baseball has started to publish some of its rules for the season that is due to begin late next month. They're going to test players every other day. Saliva tests every other day. Temperature tech checks twice per day. Uh, and, and a lot of things that will look very different than what we're used to seeing from baseball. No spitting, which automatically will be very different than what we're used to seeing in baseball. That'll be Pitchers hard. Pitchers can't lick I mean, their that's fingers. Gonna be like, whoa, that's going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't go to the umpire to argue. You, no fighting. Fighting will be strictly dealt with. They're, they're, and see, that. They, see that's the difference between baseball and football. A lot of the things that that would make baseball kind of look like football. You're not going to be allowed to do. You can't, you know, no, no high fives, no fist bumps, none of that stuff. Everybody's going to be in their own little, their own little cocoon walking around the field. You bring your own equipment. I mean, it's just things that aren't going to be practical in football, but it shows you the extreme measures that need to be taken to minimize the spread of the virus. And, uh, uh, it just it, it doesn't make me more optimistic that it's going to work for football because ultimately you got to get 22 guys out on a football field playing football, which means being in close contact. And the league is betting on its assessment being accurate, Chris, that outdoors, open spaces will result in fewer infections. And if they can keep anyone off the field who may be infected, that's going to yeah. keep it at, at a minimum as well, but we'll, we'll just see. They they got to be they got to be they got to do everything they can to minimize the potential for an outbreak, and then they got to be ready to pivot and activate a plan if there is an outbreak. And those are two, I think, Herculean tasks. I, I just wonder if the NFL is going to try to implement some of these rules too. Like, are they going to tell quarterbacks they can't lick their hands this year? You know, right away, I think of like the great Drew Brees. Right? I mean, every after every throw, it's lick, lick, pull his shoulder pads down. You know, that would be a game changer for some quarterbacks. That's part of their their tick or what, you know, their process between plays. And a lot of guys really want to lick their fingers just like baseball pitchers because, yeah, it gives you a little moisture on what can be a slick leather ball at times to make the grip better. So I just never – I'd be curious to know if the NFL I, – I don't see why that would matter in football, you know, when the play before maybe Von Miller hits Drew Brees from behind and – is breathing and sweating on him to where I want to go, who cares if he licked the football at this point? The guy just bled on his face or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'll just be, I'll be interested to see if that happens. And you know, the other thing, Mike, just real quick, out of all the college athletes and the players so far, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to be insensitive. Have you heard of one that's had to really deal with COVID-19 in a horrible way? Yeah, yeah, just, I have. Yeah, have? I have. Okay. Tony, yeah. Tony Baselli's son got extremely sick from it. Andrew right. Baselli, who who's an offensive lineman one. at Florida State. The yep. bigger they are, yeah, you, you've got guys who are heavy, uh, and uh, yeah, just uh, just don't assume. And, and we hear, I oh, you got a greater him. you got a greater chance of dying in a car on the way to school. Well, okay, fine, but this is still an extra chance of dying that you otherwise wouldn't have. And uh, tell that to the family of the one kid who does die because of this. So um, anyway, yeah, not right. an easy situation let's hope that the uh, people at the nfl 
are paying the proper attention to this. All right, we're going to take a break coming up in just a few minutes, though. Number two in the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. We'll be back with that after this here on Pro Football Talk. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Thank you guys, go Hawks. 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 You know, I think he's outgrowing that. I really do think he's outgrowing that. What is this? Some sort of mashup. It's a mashup of Roger Goodell and his evil twin brother, Chris Sims. And there's Russell Wilson. Where's number three is number two. He doesn't do the go Hawks like he used to. We've interviewed him several times over the last year and he hasn't done it at the end. I've talked to him after games. Doesn't do it. We had him at the Super Bowl. Remember, we got him talking about the Olympics and what event he would do. And he kind of got caught up in that. Didn't say go Hawks on the way out. May not have said it when we had him in Miami. So he may be maturing past the maybe he's he's cynical now he understands it's a business it's not college it's not high school but uh, he's been with the Seahawks his full career some think he will not finish his career in Seattle some think he would have a higher profile if he played somewhere else for now profile can't get much higher on your list he's number two Chris real quick summary overview of why you put him there and then we're going to look at some of the things he can do yeah, well, I think the big thing is, I, I don't know if there's a quarterback in football that's more responsible for their team's offensive output or them winning games. I mean, listen, they don't play a quarterback-friendly offense there in Seattle. In fact, if you tossed me the negative in Seattle or Russell Wilson a little bit, I would go, it's not about Russell Wilson, really. It's more about, they need to empower him. Let's stop like establishing the run game and playing through the defense. We don't have the Legion of Boom in Seattle. I mean, what have we seen the last two playoff losses from the Seattle Seahawks? They've done that, and then Russell gets them close to bringing them back, but they can't overcome it because they played a style of football for three quarters, you know, that just, to me, in a lot of ways, sometimes stupid for Seattle. The best player on their team is Russell Wilson. He can make so much happen. He is one of the best deep ball throwers in, Mike, we know, in football, and we know what he can do scrambling. And, Mike, the last thing before we get to the tape. He's real, really I said rare. real quick. I don't R- care. R- do you it's know what two. real quick means? 
Then let's get to it. Go ahead, because the first play of the tape is going to make my point anyways. When we get to All Russell right, Wilson, this is what's amazing, Mike, is he can literally read coverage downfield and read the pass rush at the same time. I mean, it's a very, very rare skill. I mean, come on. That's insane. What is he doing? A dance step there? Play action pass, step up in the pocket, look at the, what's around me in the pocket, now go backwards in the pocket, don't take a step up, and throw a dime, you know, 20 yards down the field. It, it's, it's unbelievable what he brings to the table. Go ahead. Do you want to wax poetically about him too? No, look, I agree with you. He does it all. And, and sometimes he is literally doing it all because he doesn't right. have the help. And, and he, what he does, you know, we talk about the guys who, who when the play that's called doesn't work, they improvise. Some of the guys need time to improvise. He can quickly improvise. He can quickly pivot and get rid of the ball. He doesn't need to run around. Right. He can, but he Watch can quickly throw. adjust on the fly. Like, what? Okay. Are you kidding yep. me? Like, are well, and, you kidding and, me? And there is that, you know, we, we, we got all caught up in Patrick Mahomes and his baseball throwing motion. There's a lot of baseball in the way Russell Wilson throws it because he just gets rid of it. He doesn't need to have his feet under him. He doesn't need to wind up. He can just, you know, any arm angle, any body position, he can make the throws. He's been to, he probably thinks, hey, I've been doing this for years and nobody notices. Patrick Mahomes comes in and does it for two years and all of a sudden he's the greatest quarterback ever. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You're right. He has been doing it. And, you know, it is funny that both of them have you know, that baseball background. And really, he's one of the greatest over-the-top throwers I've ever seen in football, Mike, because as we know, we always talk about like that shoulder turn and throwing that way. Russell Wilson doesn't really do that. He kind of just drops the ball, and it's like he's at in center field or at shortstop, and he just kind of gets on top of it and makes it happen. And, you know, the other thing too, Mike, the degree of difficulty as far as his completions are concerned. I mean, we're seeing some of it here. But he has routine throws like this where, you know, most quarterbacks in football are not even going to attempt that. Most quarterbacks in football are going to go, wait, nobody's open. What do I do? Should I throw it away? Should I just take the sack? And Russell's like, no, this is what I've been throwing to my whole career. That's open. I'll put it there. And he makes it happen. One thing that you don't really appreciate until you watch the plays one after another after another, he's got a lightning fast release. Yes, there, he does. There, there's n there's no there is no garbage in that throwing motion. There's none. You know, we talked about what Jared Goff does, holds the ball back and it gives the defensive back a chance to get the jump. That but when he makes the decision that the ball's out, the ball's out. Yeah, he's a twitchy, high-level athlete, let alone being a natural, unbelievably gifted thrower, too. And, you know, another guy, listen, I know we're in the top five and we've talked about Rodgers and you know, obviously, we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes in a little while here and things like that. But, you know, Deshaun Watson, deep balls. You know, I don't know if there's a better deep ball thrower in the game right now than Russell Wilson. And especially, he's asked to make that throw so much within the routine plays of the offense where I want to go, no, wait, they didn't do anything. They just told three guys to run straight. And they just said, don't worry, Russell will hit you. And, I mean, that's all they do. And a lot of quarterbacks will be like, what? That's not enough to help me make a throw or get it open or do anything. And it's just standard protocol for Russell Wilson. I feel like he capitalizes on these throws just about more than anybody in the game. And it's so bizarre. It's not like the Seahawks are a low-profile team. They do extremely well in their market, but maybe because they are relegated to the upper left corner of the country, they don't get the same 
notoriety. They don't get the same attention. Russell Wilson isn't regarded the same way he would be if he were playing for another team. I mean, it's not like the Chiefs had a national following before Patrick Mahomes, though. So I don't know what it is. I, it's it, There's been greatness right in front of our faces for the last eight years, and it's almost like football fans try to find reasons to say, oh, it's it's the defense. Oh, he's just a running quarterback. Oh, he doesn't throw the ball very much. All these narratives that you never really take the time to look at and realize, and even as you watch the Seahawks play, people don't have it sink into their brains that they are seeing something special from the quarterback standpoint. No, and, you know, to add to what you're saying, I don't know if there's a quarterback that has more pressure on them to basically the team sets it up every week to go, hey, we're comfortable just keeping the game close. I mean, this is how Seattle plays, and this is why they lose games sometimes that they shouldn't lose, like Tampa Bay coming into town late in the year. You know, they leave themselves no room for error because they play this defensive run game type thing, and then they just go, hey, if we can just be close with four minutes to go our guy will get it done. And he like gets it done every time. Hey, listen, I've said this before. Week 17 against the 49ers. The Seahawks were down by 10 points with eight minutes left, and they were still running the play clock down to like three or four seconds because they were already going, we think we'll get a score here, and then we'll get Russell the ball one more time, and he'll make it happen, and we'll go down and score. And as we know, he came one inch away from making that happen as usual. But, you know, I just wish, Mike, and I think what you're saying is, I wish they would just give the keys to Russell from the start of the game. Open it up. Let's not always play defense. Establish the run. The team's different now. The best player on your team is number three. He makes it happen. Let him go to work uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. I had a thought just a minute or two ago, and I want to I test this out before we take a break. I feel like the reason why people don't appreciate Russell Wilson the way they should he makes it look too easy. Right? I hear you. You think about you think about you know with Patrick Mahomes, there's a little element of that his hair's on fire when he's doing his stuff behind the line of scrimmage and he's making things happen and it creates a greater sense of drama and anticipation. With Russell Wilson, it happens so fast. It's like a cobra strike. You don't know what happened. And the next thing you know, it's over. And unless you go back and study it in slow motion, you don't appreciate it the way you appreciate it the way other quarterbacks do it. Does that make t- 10 seconds, does that make any sense at all? It does. It makes a lot of sense. You're right. There's just not the same like showmanship or flair that maybe Patrick Mahomes has. Are and you not entertained? He, you're right. Are and you when not he throws entertained? Rockets, it's not like Brett Favre where it's like you were like, oh, my gosh, I saw him throw that so hard. You're right. And he gets discredited. He got discredited by teammates on his own team. And I think that's all led to Russell Wilson being way, way underappreciated. He is awesome. He is the second best quarterback in football. All right, when we return, Cowboys safety, ha Clinton Dix had a scary encounter with the Bears, literally. More PFT Live right after this. ha Clinton Dix had an experience recently where, uh, and he played for the Bears, and they're there was a bear. There oh is a bear, and, and 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 the bear the bear ran away faster than uh, I assume that's haha on the scooter that keeps going while he runs the it other is. way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, as, as Shereen Williams pointed out, it's the first time ever a bear turned a defensive back around. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. The bear the bear was the bear was petrified. I don't. I, it's a great video. Uh, but uh, haha, Clinton Dix could could have gone a very different way. Uh, and it really is 
amazing. I live in an area where every once in a while there are bears, and in your neck of the woods there's bears from time to time too. I've never seen one. I've never encountered one. I have no idea what I would do. It would probably involve uh, uh, peeing. Uh, that that at a minimum that would be that would be part of it. I was trying to think of a delicate way to put it. We gotta go to break. We got more PFT All right, coming right after this. Hope you didn't pee your pants. <laughs> Not quite as big as Julius was. Um, he's built like him. He's a mini version of him. He's got a little bit more, I think, of that initial explosion. Julius was very long and his explosion was good, but because of his length, it seemed even better than it really truly was. I mean, Julius was phenomenal. And, and really, this is a young man that could be that, that type of player. You know, I mean, Von Miller comes to my, to my mind when I, when I watch Chase and I watch him work out and I watch the tape that you know he's been putting out. So I'm pretty excited about seeing him. Nice to have low expectations on your way into the National Football League. That's Ron Rivera. Uh, my gosh, a high praise for Chase Young, but deserve it. Deserve. I mean, he's a freak show. I mean, we know that. I mean, th- yeah, and, and I think he's putting it the right way. You know, he is more of that Von Miller, maybe Khalil Mack type guy, right? Right around 260 pounds, but nothing he won't be able to do on an NFL field. I mean, great power, speed, has it all, instincts. Julius Peppers... I I just don't know if everyone, and I know you've heard me say this, is just an absolute giant of a person. So you got to be careful about comparing them. You know, I've told you the story. My junior year, we're playing North Carolina, Julius Peppers and all those players. I run out to pregame warmups, and he's out there at the 50-yard line right where I'm going to throw Pat and go. And I got close to him, and I went, you know me, I threw out a bunch of swear words, and I was like, holy crap, you're big. You're Julius Peppers, you know, and he just laughed. He didn't know what to say, but he's one of those guys like a Calais Campbell where you're just kind of like, whoa, I didn't realize you look like this. Chase Young has that effect, but it's more compact and muscle, uh, muscle bound maybe than like a Julius Peppers. And they think he may be better than Nick Bosa. Consecutive seasons out of Ohio Ooh. State. Some excellent pass rushers coming to the NFL. All right, we're going to finish the top 40 countdown coming up. If you've been paying attention, you know who number one is. If you haven't been paying attention, you probably know who you number, know one, who is. number one, one is. More Pro Football Talk <laughs> Live right after this. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.